It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. He is a tremendous entrepreneur and businessman, the founder and CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Wild One Day Painting, and Shack Shine. This man's located all the way in Vancouver. He's living it up right now, skiing those mountains. Please help us welcome the one and only Brian Scudamore. How's it going, brother? Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate being here. No, thank you for coming on and uh, really appreciate you making the time for it. Of course. So how you been lately? How's everything going? And we kind of talk out. I know we talked off the podcast and telling us how amazing it is for you to be able to ski every single day in those uh, beautiful uh, mountains that you're up there. So um, how's been how has it been with that transition? You know, you being a, a, a CEO, a businessman, and then, um, you know, now being put out there and doing everything from home. How has that been for you? Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fairly big extrovert. I like to be around people. Our head office, we call it the junction, is uh, about 500 people. And I love being around people and the energy. No private offices, all out in the open. We do a stand-up daily huddle meeting every single day. And so when the pandemic hit last March, boom, everything shut down. And I've been in the office three times since. So it's it's an adjustment. You know, I had to take my office and I sort of put a background behind me that made it look like I'm at the office. I put a big vinyl decal up on the wall and uh, tried to make it feel like I'm working from work, even though I'm in my basement. Hey, we do the best we can, right? You know, there's some gifts in this pandemic and it's taught us a thing or two to be grateful for what we've got. And I'm extremely grateful that all three of my brands, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, WOW One Day Painting and Shack Shine are in home services. We've been able to be an essential service. We've been able to be out there helping people in their homes. I mean, people are like I am, we're, we're stuck in home. We're spending more time in home in our sanctuaries and we want to take care of our places. And so more people are painting their walls and hauling away junk and washing windows. And we've had record revenues in all three of our brands, which is pretty incredible. That's amazing. No, it's really interesting to see how, you know, the home market, you know, in services and real estate, how it's gone up drastically um, due to the pandemic. So the fact that you're in those three categories, that is, that's a blessing. How was it, how was it for your team uh, transitioning, you know, from obviously working in the office, all being together, collaborating to then, you know, being apart for, you know, what's been over a year now. Um, And how have they been, how have they been able to adjust? How have you been able to help them adjust to, you know, working from home and and not being able to be with each other one-on-one in that, you know, collaborative environment? I think the key for us is just being there and having some empathy and just, you know, when March and April hit and people were so fearful, nobody knew what was going on and it felt like the world was, you know, going to explode. I mean, it was just, it was a scary time. We were there for our people constantly on the phone, on Zoom, checking in, seeing how people were doing, how their family life was, how their stress levels were. And, you know, there's some gifts, as I said, from this pandemic. It used to be that we'd gather in person in a daily huddle meeting. In fact, I'm doing one right after this. 10.55, every single day, we run this huddle. And I thought, oh, when the pandemic hit and we started to port things over to Zoom, I'm like, this is going to last a week. No one's going to want to be on Zoom and do our huddle meeting. And it actually surprisingly is better than in person 
because instead of being one person on stage presenting huddle and sort of running the crowd like a little show, normally if you're in the audience, you see everybody's backs on zoom, you see hundreds of people's faces, their smiles, the people that were introverted that didn't like to speak up at huddle and raise their hand with questions or good news to share are now putting it in the chat. So it somehow has actually worked out to be more engaging to do it over zoom. Now, Again, I miss the days of being in person and being able to walk over to someone's desk and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, what's going on? Or I got a question about this. But we've been able to make it work. We had to take our call center. So one thing we provide for all our franchise owners, we do all the booking and dispatch for them. All the calls come into our central sales center where we do the booking and dispatch for all brands. We found that we had to take all our call center agents when the office shut down and move them to work from home. So to be able to take 5,000 phone calls that used to be in person in a sales center and move them all the way to people's homes was uh, a big challenge. But hey, at least during this pandemic versus the one in 1918, we've got technology that's been able to keep us going. That's right. I, I agree 100%. I think that's the beautiful thing of the era that we live in. It's the resources, the abundance of resources that we have to be able to just keep on going and thriving yeah. and letting us know that we have more than enough to be able to just keep winning. Now, I want to ask you, um, productivity-wise, have you seen a huge level in productivity in your employees, in your team, now working from home versus when they were in, in home? Not saying, I'm sorry, in office. Not saying that they weren't productive, but did you see just a different level of productivity or do you see that it's, uh, it's still important for them to say, hey, eventually we want to come back into the office? Yeah, it's a different level of productivity. I mean, people are productive, but... I wouldn't say they're necessarily more productive. You need to be able to plan your time. So you've got family, you've got kids, you've got things running around at, at home. It feels like there's less downtime. It used to be that I'd go to work and I would work hard and then I'd come home and I'd play hard. Well, now it's for everybody, I think, sort of intermingling the two. You know, I'll have a meeting and then I'll run upstairs and quickly get myself some lunch or run upstairs and help my kid with a question or something they need. It's different than it used to be. And I think it's a lot of go, 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 stop, go, 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 stop type mentality. Um, I don't know if we're more productive. In fact, I question if we're, we're maybe less productive. People are making better use of the time they have, but at other times people aren't able to shut down during the pandemic. So what I find is where I used to just take my phone and on weekends, turn off all my email completely. It's easier for people to go, well, I'm, I'm at home all day, every day, seven days a week. I, I might as well still do some work and be distracted. And uh, I think people want distractions. So we're working very hard to say to our people, you got to find a way to turn off. And so a, a little trick that I do, and I'm very fortunate I have an assistant, but when people have a friend or a family member that can do this, when I go away on vacation, four weeks, take time away or two weeks, whatever it is, I get my assistant to change my passcodes on my email and my social media. And I just leave it. And I'm like, you know what? I got someone there to back me up. Everybody in our company, we work hard to make sure they've got someone to back them up so that they can take the time and what we call go dark. You got to recharge and refresh, especially now. I like that. Um, so yeah, it works. Yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good trick right there. And I, I think it's important to note too that you know all the things that we think are the most important aspect of our lives normally happen to be our business. Usually, are things that can take a backseat 
so that we can shut down and so that we can have our own time to be able to, uh, you know, recover, regenerate, and then be able to come back to work and refocus too. A lot of the times we tend to think, oh, if I don't get this done right away or if I don't answer this email within the first 30 seconds of someone sending it to me, you know, they're, they're going to think X, Y, Z about me. It's like, well, you know, it's not really that important at the end of the day compared to your mental health, compared to your physical health, compared to your relationship with other people, you know? So I, I think that might be one of the good things about this whole pandemic is we've kind of been able to shift our perspective on what might be actually important and, and how we can, I hate using the word balance, but intertwine our relationship between work and our personal lives. Yeah. You know, I, for me, <clears throat> the pandemic has reminded me that I'm not very good and, and I don't think human beings are very good at multitasking. We try and do all these things at once. Hey, I'll be the first to be honest. When I'm on a Zoom call and I'm trying to go to another website or do something, I'm missing everything that's being said. Multitasking doesn't really work. We often fool ourselves and think it does. So I challenge people and myself included that when I'm with my family, put that phone aside. If I'm watching a movie with them or playing a game with them, do just that. And so I think the pandemic has allowed us to slip a little bit and say, hey, we can multitask. We have to. I think that it's do what you're doing best at that very moment and then switch gears. So whether it's fitness, hey, be all in on fitness. If it's running your business, if it's leading a team, if it's starting a business, whatever it is, at that moment, be all in just on that one thing. No, it's one thing about doing something and then being intentional with it, right? There's two different things there, you know, and I think a lot of times that we want to tend to check off the boxes to say we checked off the boxes, but we're not being intentional with whatever task or whatever time, you know, we're spending on that certain thing. And that's where you really see the, um, the down effect of it, right? Is where you're like, man, but you know, it, I didn't get the experience I thought I was going to get. I didn't get the result I thought I was going to get. And it's because, sure. well, if you're not being intentional, you know, you're not going to be able to give your hundred percent and then receive back a hundred percent because you're not all in. So yeah, 100%. I, I would say that being all in at that moment is the most important thing. Now, 100%. moving forward with, with um, you know, on the flip side of things, spending time with your family, how, how have you seen, I've heard different things where people will be like, man, um, this makes me realize, man, I need, a, I need to spend less time. I'm going crazy here with my family. Other people are like, no, I, I love it. Um, I'm seeing that this is something I've missed. I need to spend more time with my family. Um, for you, how has that been? How has that been when it comes to your family? You know, my, my highlight of the pandemic in terms of family goes is the time that we've spent outdoors together as a family. Hiking up a mountain with a backpack of, you know, some barbecue that we've just made and having a picnic together. Um, or skiing that chairlift time with my kids. I got three young kids. I mean, it's priceless because your, your hands are too cold to pull out your phone and get on your device and play games and you got to talk to your parents. And so, yeah, there's times when, I mean, again, when the pandemic first struck and we were literally not allowed to leave our homes, that was hard. That was like mom and dad and kids. No one wants to spend more time together, but, um, it is having a balance. And it's deciding what are the things as a family you love to do together and making sure that they're socializing and doing things with their friends. So it's, uh, I realize there's no perfect sort of plan, but for me, it's if I can spend time outdoors with my kids doing some fun things and having some balanced time, then Hey, the rest of the time they can go do, do what they want with their friends, school, et cetera. Yeah. 
I don't think that there's any better place to be than outdoors, right? doesn't matter, you know, if you're a kid, if you're, you know, an elderly person. If you can get outside, breathe some fresh air, move your legs around a little bit, get a good walk in, you know, hiking where you're at is, I'm sure, quite amazing. So mm-hmm. anytime you can, especially after we've been all locked down, you know, for, for months oh, yeah. on end, like getting out of the house, being able to do all these things just, you know, brings back some sense of normalcy into our lives that I think we've all been kind of itching for. And uh, moving on into, you know, this period of transition that we're we're all heading in now with more people getting vaccinated, more people mm-hmm. going back to work and, and the economy is kind of open, opening back up. What are you really looking forward to about, you know, this transition period and, and how are you taking what you learned during the pandemic and during 2020 as a whole into 2020, 2021, Jesus mouthful and, uh, and, <clears throat> and this whole transition period. Yeah, I think what one thing, you know, business wise that I realized from the pandemic is it reminded me a little bit of nine 11 when it had people making life changes where people are like, Oh, you know, I don't want to live in New York anymore, or I want to spend more time with family or whatever was most important. Nine 11 got people to think about that. Now, if I look at today in the pandemic, it's had people look at things and go, do I want to work for corporate America? Do I want to start my own business? Do I, have I been forced to quit a job, lose my job? whatever the the case might be it's it's had people make big life decisions where they want to live where they want to work remote so for me what i love is our businesses o2e brands is my parent company it stands for ordinary to exceptional we take ordinary people and have them help them live extraordinary lives building exceptional businesses and so all three of our brands it's a, a proven recipe that somebody buys a franchise and goes okay i've always dreamed of running my own business I've never had an idea. I don't know where to start. We give them the recipe. We support them. The franchise partners also support them and they go off and and build something for themselves that an an empire they're proud of. And so we sold more franchises last year during a pandemic than in any other year in the last five, six, seven. I, I couldn't believe it because it was forcing people to make choices. And so 2021, what excites me is we know we can ratchet that up. We know that Shaq, Shine, Wow One Day are just gonna go nuts with new franchise talent because people want to make a change. And what do you think it is about the franchise model that that uh, has really, you know, cause you're not the only person that's told us this. Uh, we had another uh, guy come on the podcast who works in like a franchise business when it comes to uh, mobile gyms. And he said the same mm-hmm. thing you said. Uh, what is it about the franchise model that allows, you know, either young <clears throat> entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs to come in and be successful right away? Yeah. So, you know, think of, uh, I don't know, baking a cake. If anyone decides, hey, I want to go bake a cake for my mom for her birthday, and they want to build, bake a beautiful cake, they Google, they find a proven recipe, they look at how many stars it got on reviews, and it's like, great, there's a five-star cake, I'm going to go follow a simple recipe and get her done. Most people want to follow a proven recipe. Very few people want to go, okay, let me see what I got in the fridge and in the cupboards and see, bake something from scratch and figure it out. They want a proven recipe. Mm-hmm. I can imagine in the fitness world. People, I mean, people like me all my life, it's like, just tell me what to do. Just give me a routine. Hear that give all the me time. a routine and I'll follow it. It's the same thing in business. Most people don't, most people aren't like me and, and, and you where they want to create something from scratch. They want to build a proven recipe and then tweak it and use their creativity, which our franchise partners do. Think McDonald's. 
the egg McMuffin, Ronald McDonald, all these things were developed by franchise owners who contributed towards the betterment of McDonald's. The same thing happens with our business. People put their creativity and innovation in. They just start with a proven recipe. So it isn't just a young, hungry, new entrepreneur. Um, I was speaking with someone today who's built a bunch of businesses, but now doesn't want to create from scratch and wants to invest in Shackshine to get a quick start way to scale a whole bunch of businesses. So it's uh, it's an interesting model. So you spoke creativity. How much creativity do you guys allow for your franchise owners to be able to have um, when it comes to bringing these ideas to you guys and actually bring them, them to life within the franchise? Yeah. So, you know, let me give you another analogy. Think, you know, a sport, pick a sport like, you know, for me in Canada, it's hockey, right? The NHL, a team like, um, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks, they have to follow all the rules and regulations of the NHL. You know, they can't go change uh, the rules of the game. For sure. But they can have freedom to change their logo. They can have freedom to build leadership development and training programs for their teams and, and the culture they build. It's freedom within a framework. So when I look at, say, you know, wow, one day painting, it's taking people who come in with the systems and learn them and execute on them. But when they want to go, hey, I've got a marketing idea that I think could really blow up for us here in a great way. Or I have a leadership development program that I, I want to build. Will you guys support me? Will you help me? Absolutely. So we have a philosophy at O2E Brands called Bigger and Better Together. I've always believed let's build something bigger and better together versus what any one of us would have ever chosen to build alone. For us, that's the magic. Great people doing great things together. And, and this creativity just works together, freedom within a framework. There's something about building a team and working with a team. I think that a lot of times people forget the the power of teamwork, right? You know, right. it's one of those things where we feel at the beginning, man, I can do it all. I can I can do this on my own until you really hit that roadblock where it's like, man, if I want to scale, I need a mm -hmm. team, you know? And mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where many entrepreneurs have experienced it and I've experienced it. I know others that have experienced <laughs> yeah, it. We're like, we want to do it all. We want to do this. We're, we're high and go. And then you start burning on. You're like, shit. Okay, mm -hmm. what do I do now? And it's like, okay, well, I got to start thinking about getting a team. So mm -hmm. talking about team, how are you able to sell, assemble the best team? And what are some of the key elements that you look for when you're building a team that you can mm -hmm. share with any entrepreneur out there, a business owner right now that's trying to put one together? Yeah, so I'll share some tips and tricks of things from my journey, but I'll start by saying that teamwork is, is incredible. Again, back to the sports analogy, many of my, two of my kids ski race. And if they're injured hey, they're not competing. If you're playing basketball and you get injured, you still got the team that can win championships mm -hmm. and you've still got a team that can support you when you're weak, when you're down, whatever's going on. So I think a team in business is the ultimate. You don't just be the lonely entrepreneur at the top. You build something bigger and better together. Now, we use something called the beer and barbecue test, which is a way that I developed to help explain how to find great people. When we're looking for people in our company, and actually maybe I'll, I'll step back for a second to tell you um, when I have the wrong people. So five years into my business with 1-800-GOT-JUNK, they say one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. I had nine bad apples of my team of 11. And I made a bold decision. I came in one day and I just said, you know what? This isn't working out for me. And I walked into the room and 11 people and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I let you down, didn't bring in the right people, didn't train you properly, didn't give you the love and support. This isn't working and we're gonna part ways. 
And I gracefully exited these people and said, I made a mistake as your leader. And the next day I said, okay, I'm going to find the right people and treat them right. And I rebuilt my business over months and over years. And today we've got this incredible culture of wonderful people. So we use the beer and barbecue test. The beer test is would I sit down and have a beer with this guy, you know, if I'm chatting with you guys, Anthony and Josh, I'm like, Hey, you know, do I like you guys? Yeah, cool. You know, you got skateboards on the walls. You got a whole bunch of trinkets, captain crunch on the, on the desk. Like, you know, you guys are cool guys. You're in Miami. You know, you like to go to the beach and have fun. It's like, would you, do you like these people? Are they interested? Are they interesting? Do they have a shared passion? Do you have a commonality? Would you have a beer with them? The barbecue test is everyone in our company has done, you know, an interview and they asked the beer test, do they pass that? But the barbecue test is, would they fit at a company-wide barbecue, at a company picnic, at a party? Do they, we've got lots of diversity, different personalities, diversity of opinions, cultures, and so on. We just want to know though that people fit. Do they fit the vibe of what we're building and how we're building it together? Introverts, extroverts, but it just fits. And so interviewing, I think we often overcomplicate it. And I think people put skills above attitude we flip that. We say hire on attitude, train on skill, find the right people and treat them right. Simple stuff. Love that. Yeah. And I really like something that you said uh, about yourself when you did hire the wrong people, right? And you had to part ways with them. You had to go in a different direction. You weren't blaming them, which a lot of people do a lot of, you know, good business people will sit there, quote unquote, good business people, right? will sit there sure. and say, you know, the people who put CEO next to their uh, Instagram handle. <laughs> are the same people who are, you know, sitting there saying, oh, it's my employees who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's the system that isn't working. It's it's never about what they are not bringing to the table. And you're doing the exact opposite of that. You bring the people and you're like, I'm not supporting you enough. I'm not training you well enough. I'm not doing the things that I need to do as, as the leader to put you in a position to succeed. And that's something that uh, I find is like a really... Uh, breath of fresh air and, and something that, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative that you were able to bring up. Yeah. You're, you're not a leader if you can't start by taking ownership for your actions. I mean, no one likes someone that blames other people, like be introspective, look at yourself first and say, what did I do wrong? What will I learn here? How will I be better? And you can't serve your people and take care of your people, take care of your customers. If you don't start by understanding where you're weak, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're leaders. We have mistakes We're human beings, but own them, own them and figure out what am I going to learn from this gift? It's like with the pandemic, we started the, the phone, uh, the conversation on uh, the pandemic. I mean, there's gifts in this pandemic, like tragedies aside. I mean, the, the, the world's lost lives and great people that happened. If you get beyond that and look at, okay, well, what does it mean for me, for my family, for my business? What are the gifts? What are we learning about ourselves in this world to be better people? And uh, you got to take those moments and sort of allow them to let you shine. I love that you mentioned that. And and going back to the the leadership portion, it's so true. You know, being a leader, it's it's about you going out there in the battlefield and, and leading your team and setting the example. And I absolutely love that. And, I, and I'm a huge believer in that. How do you, being a leader, create other leaders? Um, I would love for you to walk us through that because I know that that's something that's huge. And many mm -hmm. times um, it's not the easiest thing to do is create leaders within your own company. So how do you create those leaders in your company? So that way, when you do have a time when you're sick or you're on vacation or when you can't be there at the moment, you have mm -hmm. your leaders come and take over. 
Yeah. So I don't know how good I am at developing leaders myself, but I think that there's this philosophy I have. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Always. So I make sure that I'm always in the right room. You know, I'm surrounded by smarter people. And so Eric Church, who's our president and COO, and he's been nine years with the business and hopefully forever. And he's a guy that is just exceptional at finding and developing leaders. I think I'm good at finding the people, but we work together as this kind of two in the box. I'm the visionary and culture guy. Eric's, you know, the the implementer, the executor who goes, okay, here's the vision. Let's now go find these people that can build this with us. So he's the one developing people. But for us, it's it's first and foremost, starting with the right people. Do they have a shared set of values? Our our values are, are it, it, the word, the acronym is PIPE, passion, integrity, professionalism, and empathy. We want people that have passion, that are straight up, straight shooters, full of professionalism, that can have empathy for themselves and others and make mistakes and learn from them. We find people that fit the values and then Eric and his team uh, help develop them as, as leaders. And, you know, I think my role back to leadership is, is vision, setting the painted picture, setting the vision of what the future could look like. Uh, so maybe a little story. I was at my parents' summer cottage, uh, eight years into the business. We were at a million in revenue with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I wanted something bigger. I was in a bit of a doom loop, bit of depression, feeling like, ah, oh, I don't have a big enough business. I don't have the college education because I never finished. I don't have the money. I might not even have a good idea. And so I took out a sheet of paper and started writing out on it, one page double-sided. I said, we will be in the top 30 metros in North America by the end of 2003. Not hope to be, not will try to be, not want to be, but we will be. There are 30 cities in Vancouver, or bigger than Vancouver where we started. So I'm like, imagine what the future could look like. And I started painting this picture in words of pure possibility. I said, we'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. I said we would be uh, the world's largest junk removal company. We'd be the FedEx of junk removal. And I started to write this out. And when I started sharing it with people around me, it did some fantastic leadership things. It got people who saw what I saw to stay, who said to Brian, I don't know how we're going to get there, but I want to build this with you. And it took the rest of the group. I mean, you know, probably close to half the company at the time, we were small. They said, I don't know, Brian, like this top 30, this Oprah thing, like you're smoking some hope dope here, dude. Like this is not (laughs) happening. And people left and uh, left the company and, and that was it. And, and it was like, it's okay. Cause the right people left. They didn't see what I saw in my vision or my painted picture. Um, it's fun stuff, man. You know, having a vision is, is I think the start of leadership. You know, you talked about people going to battle with you. They're not going to battle with you if they don't know what you're trying to accomplish, what you see, what the future for them and their role is. So it's about a painted picture and I'll, I'll throw out there too. I know you guys are big into social media and Instagram, but when this all goes live, if anyone wants to send me a note, they just go to my Instagram at Brian Scudamore or, or Facebook, whatever, and say painted picture. Um, I'll send you my painted picture and just show you the process I use to create that vision. And if it, if it helps, if you take a nugget away from it, uh, awesome, but happy to share. Love I'm going to do that. Right. Like, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, I'm going to DM, DM you right I'm now. I'm going to jump on there myself. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> How did you get into the service industry that you got into? I mean, you know, it, it always it always surprises me when people don't choose the, you know, again, I'll use like air quotes, sexy, you know, businesses to get into the, you know, I mean, down here it would be like nightclubs or hotels, you know, but I mean, junk removal and, you know, pay, and uh, house pain and, and, 
getting into all the different avenues that you've gone into, how, mm. how did you find this niche and, and what made you go down this route? Yeah, I was looking for a way to pay for college. I was one course short of graduation from high school. All my friends were going to college. I talked my way into college and needed to find a way to pay for it. And I was in this McDonald's drive through a beat up old pickup truck in front of me. It had plywood sides built up. It said Mark's hauling on the side of the truck filled with junk. And I'm like, I am buying a truck. I'm going to start hauling junk. And that's how I'm going to pay for college. Okay. I started the company. I had a thousand dollars. I put 700 into a beat up old Ford F-150, the rest into flyers and business cards. And I started a business. Now, yeah, it wasn't sexy. It was literally a dirty industry. It was very fragmented and unprofessionalized. And nothing wrong with that. No. And, and that became the opportunity was how do I professionalize a fragmented mom and pop business? Yeah. Nightclubs, restaurants. I mean, that's all sexy, but I think it's understanding what you want in the world and what motivates you. I'm a very social person, a nightclub. I don't want to work at night. I don't want to be around loud music. I want to be around people and building something special and enjoying the momentum of what I'm building in a, in, in a space surrounded by great people. So it's understanding what you want. I don't feel like I'm in the junk removal business, the painting business, the window washing business. I'm in the people development business. I'm in helping to provide an entrepreneurial opportunity to someone that's always wanted one, but maybe didn't know where to start. So it's, and, and, you know, and I, I realize it's easy sometimes, you know, Simon Sinek, his book starts with why Simon was on our board years, years ago. Yep. I love that. Yeah, book. He's, it's an amazing book. And, and Simon was on our board years before he started any of this stuff. And, and his whole concept is just understanding your purpose, your, your why behind everything. And I get that it takes time. I get that, you know, a young entrepreneur goes, I don't know why I'm here. I think I just want to make money, but you start to realize money is not, uh, necessarily a big motivator. It's about making meaning more than money. I think it's about having a purpose. It's having a greater good that you're adding to the world and, uh, and trying to undercover, uh, uh, try to discover what that magic is within you. No, I think it's so key too, you know, because you're right. Money will, you know, that, that, that drive that you get from wanting more money only gets you so far. And then what happens when you do get more money? You know, it's like, okay, then, then what, you know, we see it time and time again down here here. and there, there has to be something that's, that's deeper than that. That's really the motivation getting. And it's something that I know Anthony always talks about with, with his coaches that he works with. Like, if you don't really have that, why you, you have nothing, you have no foundation to be able to build anything that substantial off of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you go buy a fancy car. How, how long does that happiness last? Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. It really doesn't. And uh, I think it's just understanding what you can contribute to the world. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to travel. My my wife's in the fashion business. Pre-pandemic, we'd go to Paris once a year. But for us, it's walking around Paris and having a little coffee and a glass of wine and connecting with people. It's not the spending a ton of money doing fancy things. It's, um, it's just enjoying life. And I think, you know, I'm 50. I think as you get older, you start to realize What's that? Said you look great. Oh, thanks, man. You 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 make a good you're a good liar. No, uh, but you know what? I, I feel healthy. I, I love life and I love what I do. But I think I love life because I know what makes me happy, and it uh, it isn't money. Now I look at my entrepreneurs who have businesses with us, and some of them like the fancy cars and they like the lakeside side cottages. I mean, that stuff's all important to different people. You know, great. Whatever someone else's dream is. 
if we can help them live it, that's what, uh, that's what gets me juiced. I love that you mentioned that because I, you know, I'm a huge believer too. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting certain things or, or items or, you know, yeah. products. There's nothing wrong with it. I just think too, that to keep the momentum and the, and the, the energy moving, there has to be mm -hmm. something deeper rooted. So I always like to say like, Usually, for, especially if you're a young entrepreneur, right? There's always like that motivator might be you want that car so you could take out the girl or go over here and go look look nice over here. You want this, um, you know, a piece of jewelry or a watch, whatever. And that's great because that might light a spark and motivate you to get that footing yes. on the ground and actually get you moving. But once you start getting moving, you start realizing, okay, there has to be something deeper, right? There's something yeah. deeper that's going to actually keep me going from what got me moving. And then that's what's going to create that success down the road. Yeah. If you don't understand that deeper meaning, the, the things you buy will could make you unhappy. Uh, I knew a buddy that owned an ad agency with a partner and uh, they did really well in Chicago. They grew this massive, massive agency guy was very independently wealthy and went out and bought the Ferraris and the Lambos and the big house and the whole bit. He got to a point where him and his wife and family said, you know what? Enough's enough. They downsized from their 6,500 square foot place. Wow. They got rid of the cars because they didn't like the way other people were treating them. They always felt taken advantage of people always wanted things from them. The house repair bills were always way more than they should have been. And it just, he's like, you know what? I don't need this. It doesn't make me happy. So it's, to each their own understand what motivates you nothing wrong with having a goal that has to do with money as a measurement as a yardstick towards getting to a a, a place and, and celebrating nothing wrong with that uh, but understand what drives you personally i think it's pretty difficult for people to define happiness right like their own happiness and and mainly in my own opinion right it's because they allow these external factors other people's beliefs you know societal you know impressions to mm -hmm. take, you know, take rein and, and take grasp of, of their own mindset and what, and what direction they want to head in. How are you able to kind of block out all that stuff so that you can truly focus on what makes you happy and what's going to, you know, move the needle in your life? Yeah, I think I just asked myself and, and have done this for years, you know, when do I feel alive? You know, I feel alive when I'm talking to another entrepreneur who is interested in our business as a way for them to live their dream. I feel alive when I'm sharing best practices with other people like we're doing today. I feel alive when I'm skiing, uh, flying down those slopes as fast as I can, skiing in some deep pow, whatever it might be. I feel alive when I'm hanging with my kids and going for a bike ride and hearing about their lives. So it's pretty easy if you, you know, in creating a vision or a painted picture. Now I've done, done them for my business, but I've also done them for my personal life. And one of my sort of tips for people who say, I can't think about the future get somebody to sit down and ask you questions. You know, maybe Josh, you sit down and you go, okay, Anthony, so what drives you in life? When are you most alive? What would you be most proud of in five years if such and such happened? You know, what do you want to be remembered for? You get someone to ask you questions, you can quickly uncover what drives someone. You know, it, it, again, back to the money side, it's it, people's memories of, of, happiness when they look back are rarely the, Hey, at the time I was driving that Ferrari, right? It's more the, the people you were with, the conversation, the depth, the, the, the help that you gave to someone else. Um, you know, it's finding those moments and finding someone that can pull that from with, without, from within uh, you and say, Hey, let, let me ask you these questions and let me yank it out of you. It's inside. People know what makes them happy. They sometimes just need a little bit of help in getting there.
That's powerful. You know, I think it's really powerful. You mentioned about finding somebody who can ask you even those questions or you stepping up asking somebody those questions because, you know, at the end of the day, it is that, you know, sometimes people are never asked those questions and it could be because of the type of people they're hanging out with, which lets mm -hmm. them know, hey, you might need to start hanging out with other people, not just the people in your circle. Maybe that's also what's holding you back. So you can start getting these questions asked you and make you start thinking. And when the more you start hanging out with these people, then you're like, oh, man, you know what? This is what makes me happy. This is what I want in life. And these are the people I want around me. Yeah, you know, so an interesting thing that reminded me of is um, there's a quote, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, you, you become who you hang out with and spend time with. And so I had a great friend years ago who I was going through a period in my life in my business where I was working, burning the candle at both ends in my 30s. I'd married my high school sweetheart, but we ended up growing apart and I went through a divorce and I was making some bad decisions. And this one buddy of mine, Dan, goes, you know, Brian, you have a painted picture for your business. Why don't you have one for your personal life? You're not making some great decisions right now. And I think you should sit down and, and really take do some soul searching. And to have a friend that called me out on that, it, it's unbelievable. So show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Like you said, are you hanging out with the right people? Are, are they people that are going to ask you questions? Find someone that's going to interview you and pull out the magic from uh, within. Yeah, and I, I think it's so important that you get those people around you that are willing to have those difficult conversations with you, right? Um, For sure. I mean, if you were a fly on the wall in here and listening to some of the things that, you know, we have to say to each other, you probably wouldn't think that we were so friendly all the time, you know, but it's, yeah. it's not necessarily about, you know, the tension in, in the conversation, but it's about the direction that you're headed in right together. Mm -hmm. You, you mentioned it earlier about everyone being on the same page and, and trying to have the same goal moving forward. You know, that's something that I think that Anthony and I really pride ourselves on as like a team is that mm -hmm. we are on the same page, even though, you know, personality wise, we're extremely different. Oh yeah. You know, and, yeah. and even the way that it. we go about, you know, <laughs> our, our personal businesses are completely different, but mm. when it comes to our brand and the podcast and what we're doing here together, you know, it's, it's all steam, it's all steam ahead moving forward, trying to mm. make sure that we're, you know, doing what we need to do as individuals so that we can help the team as a whole do what we need to do. Absolutely. And, and the fact that you guys are so different, that's perfect. It's like Eric and I, Eric is so different than I am. You know, he's the buttoned up more suit and tie guy. I'm the, you know, Hey, where are my Converse and my skinny black jeans and all that kind of stuff. Right. And t-shirts and we're so different, but it allows us each to see each other's blind spots from a different perspective. 100%. So when he says something and notice something, I'm like, yeah, I listen to this guy, right. He's got a different sort of way that just cuts through and uh, allows me to kind of uh, be more introspective. It's so remarkable. I always say it all the time. Like, you know, you see that in relationships or partnerships and friendships. Like when you find that gem, that opposite, that is like, man, they stick out. You got to keep it. You got to keep it right. You know, just because it's just so true when you when they do ask you questions or where they do tell you something you're like, man, I never saw it that way. Holy shit. You're so right, dude. You know, and then that one little thing goes on to like shift a whole bunch of stuff in your business, mm. your life, your current moment. And, it, and it's amazing, man. So. I got to say, man, 
Ryan, thank you so much for coming on here. I know that you're 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 busy and you have to get to your team meeting now. But personally, just want to say, you know, appreciate you coming on, sh- dropping this value sure. and knowledge on us. And just, uh, you know, personally want to invite you here whenever you come to Miami, which I know awesome. um, you've been yeah, down Yeah, get here. out of that cold for yeah. a little while, man. And Absolutely. get you in live. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we got to get those uh, borders open between Canada and the U.S. And, yeah, I would love to do a trip to Miami and have a beer with you guys at some point. Yeah, there be, we go. So we passed the be beer great. test. Already. Are you a Molson guy? That's a, are, <laughs> yes. you, are you a Molson guy? <laughs> You know what? I am a beer and wine guy. Okay. It doesn't it doesn't really matter what kind of wine, what kind of beer. It's just uh, yeah, no, I I love my uh, I love my wine and my beer. Okay, I grew I grew up like on the American side of the border from like Kingston, Ontario. So I always got to oh, ask like, you are you go. a bat person or a Molson person? Because I, I never <laughs> know with the Canadians. I, I'd probably have to say Molson if if you know what Molson is. Yes, mm, okay. I would choose Molson over Labatt for sure. I don't know how many people here in Miami probably know <laughs> know what we're talking yeah, exactly. about right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned it uh, before, Brian. One uh, before I get to that, I just wanted to say reiterate what Anthony said. Thank you for coming on. Um, how can people reach out to you? What's the best way that they can contact you? Yeah, I mean, you you go to Google and you put my name in Brian Scudamore. It'll take you to the different social media that's out there. Uh, our website, one eight hundred gotjunk dot com, is always a great place to to go. And there's links to all our other brands: Shack Shine, Wow, One Day Painting. Um, social media. Yeah. Get in touch. LinkedIn, in, Instagram, whatever your poison is, uh, would love to connect and try and help in any way I can. Love it. Thank you so much. And just like I always like to end the podcast with one question. Um, what is the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today in mm-hmm. one sentence? Yeah. Have a vision. If you don't know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. That's the old Alice in Wonderland quote come up with a vision, know what your future looks like, and then believe you can get there and start chiseling away day by day at making decisions on, on how to get there. Again, DM me, send me a note. Happy to say, if you put painted picture, please, I'll fire it off to you and an article I wrote on how to create one. And maybe it'll help you create that vision. Well, we'll be able to do that that. right now. Everybody else go do that. And he said vision go. Appreciate you, Brian. Until next time, everybody. Hey, thanks, you guys. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.